Once we had extricated ourselves from the partnership and I went over all of the stuff, I realized that we were probably a week away from utter collapse. Like we were gonna have our power and our gas and everything shut off within a week after I had taken the reins of everything. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome to episode 88 of East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. On this show, I interview local business owners, entrepreneurs, and I help them share their origin stories. Hearing about their journeys is inspiring, and I love to get to know our business neighbors better. I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. So today, guys, I have a guest who I'm certain has fed you at one time or another. You may have even stood in line to get some of her coveted cinnamon rolls once in your life. So welcome. Amy Romrell of Mrs. Powell's Bakery. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me here to your home so we could have this conversation. Okay. I appreciate that. Absolutely, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm looking forward to learning about Mrs. Powell's, but if someone who has been in deep quarantine or living under a rock or who knows what, <laughs> doesn't know what Mrs. Powell's is, tell us a little bit about what Mrs. Powell's Bakery is. Well, we specialize in cinnamon rolls. Um, it was began by Gail Powell in the 1980s, and it's kind of been an East Idaho staple since then. Um, I don't know if I'm getting 100% accuracy on the history that I know of, but what I know of is I believe it started at the East Idaho State Fair, and then it became, you know, the, the brick and mortar that we know today. As far as I know, the location where we are in Ammon is the original location, and um, so we've just been car we're carrying on that tradition that she began. And you know, so did you plus years ago. did you purchase it from the Powell family? No, it's been through a few hands. Okay. So I believe I'm the fifth owner. Wow, so. I didn't know that it had turned over hands that often. Yeah. Well, what a legacy that you get to be a part of. How fun is that? Yeah. So how did you decide that this was something you wanted to do? Were you, have you been a baker? Was this something that you had been doing? And once Mrs. Powell's came up for sale, you were like, yeah, I'm buying that. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, sort of. Yeah, a little bit. I, my mom is a really great baker and she taught me. Um, there wasn't a lot of money for extra activities when I was younger. And so we would, in the summer, sometimes we were so bored and wanted something to do. And we started asking my mom, could we make cookies? And she is kind of controlling and she knew that we needed to learn this. And so I remember her laying on the couch or sitting on her hands, reading, <laughs> doing something so she wouldn't intervene very much. And we would come Good out mom. and ask her, what does TISP mean? You know, and she'd say, that means teaspoon. Okay. And so there was kind of this back and forth, but we learned how to bake for ourselves, me and my brothers. And so um, I've been baking since I was probably 11 or 12 due to that. And then later she taught me how to make bread and she always made cinnamon rolls. So I was, you know, had some experience with that. And um, I, so I always have enjoyed baking. I, I like to cook and I was doing a little bit of catering. I can't even say part-time, just kind of intermittently, you know, I would do some, a friend's wedding or, you know, I had, people knew that you had this talent and so right. they would ask you to, to help them out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got to this point where I just felt like I wanted something to keep me busier. And so my, uh, my youngest was almost 15 and we were just kind of casting about 
kind of looking at increasing my catering business, perhaps, maybe getting a commercial space and doing it that way and just kind of looking for something. And that's when that opportunity presented itself. So it was for sale. Yeah. And you, what, you go to your husband and say, I want to buy this? It's kind of, it's kind of a dramatic story. I've learned a lot since then. This was 2017, March 1st of 2017 was when we took ownership. And we initially had partners, and this is the drama part of my story. Yeah. But we had these partners and they were, um, I didn't have the confidence, honestly, to run a business. I didn't think I knew enough. I have a degree in English, so I didn't really study business. Um, and I had never been in business. I'd never been a boss of someone before. And so I didn't really have the confidence that I knew enough to do handle the business side. I knew that I could bake and I could handle that portion of it. Um, even though I had only done home baking, I had enough confidence there, but I just didn't think that I was equipped to be the business person. And you were looking at this, like, this is Mrs. Powell's. It's an established business. I don't want to go in and ruin it because I don't know the business side. Yeah. So I need somebody to help me. A little bit of that. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, and so they actually found out that we were kind of looking for something and they approached us. Would you be willing? We want to buy this business, but they didn't have the credit in order to get the loan and asked us, you know, would you guys be interested in going in partners with us? And you know, that we would hold the majority and then they would buy equity and hard in sweat equity and work and bringing business in. And, and we didn't in hindsight, we definitely didn't know them well enough. Uh, um, the partnership only lasted about three and a half months and it was drama from start to finish. And um, they took a lot of money from us and we finally ejected them out of the business. How and, did you do that though? Because what yeah. you're saying is that they had majority. We had the majority. Oh, you had the majority. Yeah, we had uh -huh. the money. So they're like, you'll be the majority, but then we'll buy equity so that we're more 50-50 or they, I think they, they thought they wanted the majority ownership, but they didn't actually do anything to add value to the business and in fact drained. They were using basically my business account as their personal financial, you know, they were buying Netflix and groceries and gas in their car. And, yeah. and so and claiming those as business expenses or not no, even. He, he knew full well that he, <laughs> he should not exactly. have been doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to extricate ourselves from the partnership. And what I discovered was all of these business things that he was supposed to be the expert in. Um, he wasn't doing any of them. He got us initially set up and then he stopped doing anything. We hadn't had rent paid in three months. We hadn't had heat paid. We hadn't had anything paid except the cell phone bill because they will shut you off no like way. that if you don't pay. Yeah, right. Um, and so th that was the only bill that he had actually paid. So wait a minute. You're going about being the expert, baking, yep. carrying on this legacy of Mrs. Powell's and thinking everything is okay. Yeah. And then you find out. I mean, I knew that this wasn't going to last in the first month. So kind of the understory that I found out later is they were just addicted to drugs. And I had, I've had some experience witnessing some of that in the past. And so I, I kind of knew something was up. Uh -huh. And, and so, yeah, they were just, the, the drug habit was, was taking over everything, every aspect of their lives. Right. And helping them to make decisions that were leading them to 
be yeah kicked out to not good places. Yeah, right. So once I once we had extricated ourselves from the partnership and I went over all of the stuff, I realized that we were probably a week away from utter collapse. Like we were going to have our power and our gas and everything shut off within a week after I had taken the reins of everything. Uh, 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 okay, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> like, I am putting myself in your position now. So are you thinking, this is it? Like, I've lost my business? This, Like, how do you come back from this? Um, well, I am very, very blessed that, that we had the resources in our personal finances to be able to keep us afloat. Yeah, because so, your husband has a different career. So it right. wasn't, this wasn't necessarily him, his business. No. He, he had his own career that was kind of, that okay, was we'll kind help, of financing you, help you be able to startup. pay your do- bills until you can figure out what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Wow. So had it not been for that, I think we probably would have just had to walk away. Yeah, right. So how long did it take for you to kind of recover from the first three months? Um, we were really not okay for about the first year and a half. Yeah. We were injecting more money into the business from our personal finances for at least the first year and a half. Just wow. Because it was tens of thousands of dollars that they got away with. Wow. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I just don't even know what to say. I'm just kind of at a loss for words. You know, if anybody is thinking about this and thinking about partnerships, what I, obviously this wasn't the right mix and not all partnerships are like this, but what advice would you have for somebody who's thinking about partnership based on your experience? Um, based on my experience, I am extremely hesitant. I, my husband and I are partners in this business, but I know I can trust him. And so that, that doesn't worry me that, you know, he's the, the partner with me. Um, I would not do it. I would not do it. I think at a bare minimum, you don't give anyone else power over your money. Just don't. Just don't let anyone else have the power to spend your money in the way that they see fit. So if if you were to do a partnership, I would I would much rather do a side-by-side partnership where we're working on the same goal together, but we are two separate business entities that are agreeing to work together on X project. Uh-huh. That's the only way I would ever do another partnership. I would never, ever do another partnership again. Yeah. What would you have done differently going into this partnership? Gotten to know them better? Yes, absolutely. Would have definitely gotten to know them better. I think if we had spent like two or three more weeks, I would have been able to see, uh, no, I'm Something's not getting wrong. into business with you. Uh-huh. So yeah, um, I just have big trust issues with a partnership. So from my personal experience, I would never, never ever in a hundred thousand million years ever consider being in partnership with someone else and giving them the power over my future income like that. Yeah. Ever. Okay. But it still remains that your expertise was in the baking. Yeah. And now you have this business that you thought you had a partner that was doing the HR and the operations mm-hmm. and all of these things. And it's sitting squarely in your lap. Yeah. I know a lot of people, and probably just like you said, getting into this, that was one of your hesitations. Like, I can't take off, take on this big business. Yeah. Let them do that piece. Let me do what I'm good at. How did you make that work then? Did you hire somebody else? Did you, you clearly no. didn't bring on a different partner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just figured it out, you know? And, and I think as an entrepreneur, I, I became an entrepreneur. I, I went into it maybe dipping my toes in and thinking that that was going to be enough. And it's just not as, you know, knowing what I know now about being an entrepreneur, 
you have to you have to know all of this stuff. Now you can't go for very long doing everything yourself. You have to hire help at some point. But I decided I need to know everything about this business. And and I think the biggest lesson from that early period of our business to now, I think the biggest thing I would tell somebody is this is not rocket science. I can do this. I'm not dumb, but I don't have this great business mind. And, and I'm able to keep th- now three locations going. And, and you don't have an well. MBA. And I you, don't have yeah, an MBA. Yeah. I don't have an accounting degree. Um, I have hired an accountant. And that was one of the things that really was critical for me. She sat me down and I asked her for some advice before we kicked these people out. And she asked me some very pointed questions about, you know, are you watching your money? What do you know about your partner? And and that kind of got the ball rolling for me that, gosh, we need to get these people out of here. Yeah. And so she's been a great resource because I'm I could do the accounting, but it would be so long. And and, and, and that's not your expertise. Yeah. That's something I think I need to uh, that's worth for me paying for that. They handle my payroll. I submit my hours. They do the payroll and, and everything is kept track of. My books are all clean and, and just up to date. So. That was a really, other than hiring the accountant, everything else I just, I just learned on my own. Uh, I imagine that was not, I mean, you're kind of forced into it, so you had to figure it out. But what I love about what you're saying is that um, you can do it. You didn't think that that was going to have to be your focus and it became, how did you manage everything though? Because you're, you're still having to literally make the cinnamon rolls and the rolls and the cookies and everything. Plus now put all of this. Did you ever feel like giving up? Yeah, lots. <laughs> well, why didn't you? I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've just gone through some business coaching in the last couple of months. And so I'm, I've been really hearkening back to that early time in my business career that, you know, there were times when I thought, I mean, it would suck, but we could pay back the loan and, and I could just walk away from this and never have to go back to it. And I could never bring myself to do that. I think I really like the challenge of there's always something to solve. There's always something else to do. And I liked being busy and I liked having a purpose and having a goal to strive for. You know, I want profitability. And so we're striving for that. And, and so, you know, we, I did have, we did have a baker in the morning, um, that I inherited when I bought the business and, and, but you know, we've had this revolving door of bakers until recently, uh, you know, we've, and, and, you know, everybody has their own journey and you can't stay with me forever. And, right. and I understand that. Right. But um, right now, oh, it's just so nice it's and stable. Good. I should have knocked on, on wood. wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've been able to find those right people that are there to, to help us to grow. And so, yeah, intermittently, I will have to go in and be the baker. Um, when we have lost somebody, I'd have to go in. And that was my job every morning. And it makes it incredibly hard when you're doing the work of the business to work on the business and to step back and see the big picture and and not to have those blinders of just getting this order out and then going to bed because I'm super tired. Right. Absolutely. I I mean, there's a lot of lessons in what you just said. I think so many of us, especially if we've grown up in our business, we're so used to being the one doing it all. The stepping back and actually running the business is a whole, that's a completely different education and difficult for people to kind of separate themselves from where we become the bottleneck to the growth of our business. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. So did you grow it to three locations? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it was a year and a half ago. So it would have been August, I guess, of 2019. 
Is that right? Yeah. August of 2019. Um, I had met the owner of the the Great Harvest franchise uh-huh. in yeah. Reg- Rexburg and Rigby. And we had been at the same um, event and she came over and talked to me and she's very friendly and we became friendly. And um, so about a year later, she approached me and was like, you know, I think we want to make a career change. Would you be interested in being in Rexburg? And I was like, yeah, I think I would, you know, and at that point, the Idaho Falls location was just kind of cooking. Uh Yeah, we were doing all right. And we're paying our bills and everything was good. And I thought, yeah, I think that would be a great way to expand. And she said, you know, we have this Rexburg location. We also have Rigby and it's a package deal. You have to take both. And at the time I was really only interested in Rexburg. I didn't think that, please Rigby, don't be mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) But at the time I didn't see the value of Rigby. Yeah, right. But I thought, well, if I can make at least a minimum to let it pay for itself, then I think I can, I can handle, you know, taking both of them on. And they had done a really good job of like remodeling these, these locations. And they're, they're just adorable. They're really, really nicely put together. And it was this gigantic kitchen. It's probably three times the size of my kitchen in in Idaho Falls. Yeah. Okay. There's no kitchen in Rigby. So it's, we bake in Rexburg and we deliver to Rigby Day. And um, so when we when we started, we we started up Rigby was easier to turn over first and we got that going. And the response was so encouraging, like Rigby from the start was just super, super supportive of us. So I was like, oh, this is a little bright spot. I did not expect this. So well, we, we I really love to be Rigby. from Rigby. So yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. You, on behalf of Rigby. You'll <laughs> yes, I can represent us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And so we, we had to do kind of a, a big overhaul to make the kitchen what works for our business. And so that it took three or four weeks to get that kind of, and that was like, oh my goodness, 18 hour days. I was going home and sleeping for three or four hours and going back and we were painting and ripping up floors. And it was just, wow, that was yeah, a it deal. was a big, big project. And I was really honestly looking back that it only took three weeks, maybe three and a half is kind of a, a amazing that we were able to turn it over in that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've, so we've been going since then and then, and everything was building really nicely until, can you guess? I know March. everything that happened to all of us. So that does yeah. lead me to my next question. Has the pandemic had an effect on your business? Yes and no. So in Idaho Falls, I, I don't know if you've been in my Idaho Falls location, but it, the dining area is kind of strange and, you know, we just kind of work with what we have, but it's not really a sit down and, and relax right. location. Especially if you have to be six feet apart from. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, and so it's always been more of a take and go kind of a place. We do have people that will sit down and eat lunch or sit down at breakfast or whatever, but mostly people are coming in and taking it with them. And so it really didn't affect our Idaho Falls shop at all. Um, in fact, I think we were a little busier than we should have been for the time of year. Yeah. So people yeah. were super supportive, wanted to support local businesses. I'm and so I think, glad. you know, some restaurants had to shut down and where we were already built to go do to go only. Um, and then we were, we're right next to Albertson's. So people are coming to get their groceries anyway, and they see us. So I think we really benefited from that. Um, Rigby also, we maintained pretty well in Rigby throughout that, but Rexburg, the bottom just fell out when all the students no left students, yeah. because, and, and, and it's not as if we are only there for the students, you know, we're not, we need all of the community in Rexburg. We need the locals and the students to make it a success, but that was a big part of our demographic that just was absolutely gone. And then people in Rexburg just really stayed home. Yeah. We have a business in Rexburg as well. So oh, we yeah. saw the same kind of thing happen, really? especially things just really slowed down. Um, and 
we don't completely depend on the students, but it does make an impact. It's a portion. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So we shortened our hours for about three months, four months up there to to kind of save on labor and and not make too much and waste and, and that sort of thing. And it's just kind of slowly built. And we had a really, you know, we had a really, really good holiday season. And so I'm hoping, and, and I think there were big traffic jams yesterday going into Rexburg. So I think lots of students are back <laughs> this semester. So um, hopefully we're getting into a bit of a more normal situation for business. Don't we all Cross hope? my fingers, yes. yes. We're all hoping for that. Absolutely. Well, that's an exciting thing. I guess I didn't realize that you had expanded to Rigby. I mean, I knew you were in Rigby, but yeah. to Rexburg. So that's awesome. Um, I'm curious because you talk so confidently about this business. And, and even though you said in the beginning that you were worried about all of that, mm-hmm. what, what is your experience with that? Did you come from an entrepreneurial family? How come you even thought you could do this? <laughs> and I say that because I, I wonder how all of us do this. Yeah. You know, I, and I actually, I've been listening to some of your podcast episodes. And so I've been, I actually was thinking about that question a little bit, you know, did I, do I have any family? And I, I realized that my dad always had a side hustle. You know, my dad's a, an electrical engineer. He worked for Idaho power and from Pocatello worked from, for Idaho power for his whole career and retired. But all throughout, like I remember when I was in high school, he got into the classical guitar. He's very musical and he got really good. And uh, after, I don't know, two or three years of lessons, he was teaching, he was taking students. And then he was like, you know, I could have a relationship with these wholesale companies and I could sell, you know, strings and guitar cases and guitars to my students and to other people. And so he was a a music dealer and, and now, in his retirement, he um, he's building violins, and he he would be a really interesting person to talk to. Boy, I'll no tell kidding. You. Yeah, yeah. But he he's a violin maker, and he's got this huge shop and studio, and and he's working on a, a, this set of three hundred plus instruments. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so and he again is doing the the music dealer thing, and and so he always had like this side project. Yeah, he did because I I don't think he was like super excited about the career and the the people he you know it wasn't always a fit with the people he worked with but but. it paid the bills yeah yeah exactly and so this kind of lit him up probably yeah yeah Mm -hmm. this got him excited Mm -hmm. so I I did have that example of my dad just always having this this side project that he was working on well and and I heard you say you like to be challenged and have these things so maybe that's Mm -hmm. a little bit where that came from well and yeah I, I I did a lot of so I'm an English major. I had an English degree. I was an English major. And so I love to read. And so when my, and I was a stay home mom until I started little dabbling in catering. And, and then I went full time. <laughs> but um, when my youngest went to first grade, when I had all day to myself, I took that whole year and I decided I'm just going to read as many books as I want. And I just, I'm not even going to feel guilty about it. And Good so for I, you. and I did. And then at the end of that year, I was like, okay, I mean, I'll still read, but that was enough. And, and I, you know, looking back, I feel like I feel like I was probably a little bit restless and needed some sense of adventure that I wasn't getting. And the books were kind of giving me some of that. That makes sense. And so I, I can see that now that, you know, I'm not, I don't have as much time for reading, especially fiction books. You know, I'm, I'm always reading like um, self-help and, and business books. But um, yeah, I think that sense of adventure, this is fulfilling that for me. Isn't that fun? I wonder how many of us are in, in that kind of life, you know, finding things that fulfill us, entertain us, or mm-hmm. give us whatever that adventure is when 
we really could focus on something like a business or yeah, yeah that's amazing looking yeah. back to look at that. So how does your family support this business? Because your, your husband has his own career. Mm-hmm. You said now your youngest is 18. Right. Mm-hmm. So have they all worked in the business? They have. Yep. I have. So my, my two daughters have been bakers for me. My, my older daughter is currently baking for me in Rexburg. Oh, great. And my, my younger daughter filled in for a period of time and she just you know, rocked it here in Idaho Falls and then she moved. Um, but, and then my sons have, you know, done sales and, and my one, my oldest boy has helped me with, he studied accounting and, and now he's changed his major, but he helped me with some inventory issues and, and things like that. And has done so some it's been sales. kind of a family work. thing. Yeah. So they've all been supportive of, of that to, to one degree or another. Right at first, my two kids that were still at home were not super excited about mom going to work and not being at their beck and call anymore. Yeah, I imagine that was an adjustment for them. Yeah, uh-huh. they, they used to, my daughter was just telling me a couple of weeks ago that, that they used to talk about how much they hated Mrs. Powell's and they wished that it would burn to the ground. And she's like, we grew up. It's okay. We, we got over it. We see now that it was a good thing. Yeah. Do any of them have an interest in being in the business for their career? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was good for me to be able to provide them with some employment during school and high school and college and whatnot. But I, I really have a firm belief that it's not good for your mom or your dad to be the only boss, you know? Right. And so I was really supportive of them finding some other way to work. And, you know, my, my two older kids had jobs before this was part of our family. And then my, my younger daughter, was working at another fast food place when we bought in and I encouraged her to just stay there as long as she wanted to. And then she finally did come and, you know, I would have her come in once or twice (laughs) a week and help out. And then she finally made the jump, but yeah. yeah. Well, I love the fact, you know, I think that um, in the olden days we had farms, right. That our kids got to learn these kind of principles on. And now um, some of us get to teach them in our own businesses. So it is good for them to see and that it isn't all easy. Yeah. And I I think that's been valuable for them to see how hard I have worked, how much I have put into this and, you know, the sense of fulfillment that I get, but also just the the model of hard work and determination. Yeah, uh, much. um, And and I've said it on many of my shows, so this will be a repeat, but so many people think that there's this instant, you just instantly have everything that you want. And, Mm. you know, there is no instant success. Like we really all have to work and work and work. How many years have you had Mrs. Powell? So it'll be four years this March. Yeah. So four years. And now you're finally kind of feeling like it's cooking with gas a little. Yeah. 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 (laughs) If we can get Rexburg back up there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, what advice would you have to anyone themselves considering self-employment? I would say, I would want people to have their eyes open to how much work it is and, and that you really do need to understand every portion of this business. Um, so whatever it is you're doing, you need to understand it. So to to jump into candle making, if you've never done anything like that before, that might not be that might be a really hard road to get good at it and and so forth. And, and you know, to just order something from China and resell it. I don't know. You know, that might be a good <laughs> you know, stopgap for for something, but I don't know that you can build a really successful business that you're passionate about. Right, just reselling something that someone else does, and so I think if it's something that that you understand and that you're good at, that can be a good starting place. But 
I think the the disappointing thing for me that I didn't realize at first is that so there's so little of my time that's taken up in the thing that I love, which is baking. You know, I don't even mind going in at midnight and working till six in the morning if I'm baking. I love it. But you know, I also have to do payroll and I have to do advertising and I have to meet with clients and I have to, you know, organize, you know, my things that I buy from people and and, and there's so much. And then I have to hire and, and discipline and, you know, give directions to my managers. and, And there's just so much that is in addition to that, that sometimes that, you know, I think you should really ask yourself, is that, am I going to be okay with that? And sometimes you can't know that ahead of time, but I think it would, it's good to keep your eyes open. And the other thing is that you can do this. You can absolutely do this. If I can do this, you can do this. I didn't have any specialty training. I did not go to culinary school. I was not classically trained in anything, um, but I took you know, I took classes here and there. I, I would absolutely, I, I encourage everybody to take the cooking classes at Russia's Kitchen Supply. I took the Think Like a Chef series from, from Alex over at, at Russia's and it changed, and it's not baking, it's, it's cooking, but it changed how I think of putting things together and you know, coming up with new flavors and, and yeah, it was very valuable. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I, I didn't maybe really realize that they were doing classes over there. Yeah, he does. Um, there's a, always a winter schedule and a fall schedule, and it's usually every Saturday for a number of weeks. How fun. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to talk to him. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, how do you stay motivated? Like what keeps you wanting to go to work every day? What's your why? My why is that you deserve better. I, I actually read a book, Start With Why. Have you ever heard uh-huh. that book? Simon Sinek? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, re- I would recommend that to everyone. It just really blew my mind. And, and it really helped me to formulate my why. And in everything I do, that is what I'm motivated by, that you deserve better as a customer. You deserve to have something good. You know, uh, buying cheap, nasty bread at Walmart I mean, if you want to, okay, but come get my bread. It's so much better. Um, you know, we're making it for you fresh every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you as the customer, you deserve better than what you've been getting. As one of my employees, you deserve a better workplace than what you've maybe had before. And and we just deserve a better environment, a happy place to be. And so I want to help create that to, to be able to bring value to the world. Obviously I need to make money to continue to do that. Um, but yeah, I think you all deserve better. Did you change the menu much when you took over? Slightly? Yes. Um, they were doing a little bit more. We, we, we eliminated a few menu items. They were doing kind of a, a dessert, um, cinnamon roll that had, you know, special flavors in it and they didn't sell super well. So, you know, we eliminated that and they were doing like a cheese bread roll and and it was, it was just unwieldy. And so we, we have eliminated that. And so we've kind of focused down on the big sellers and we will introduce things every once in a while and some things catch on and some things don't. And, and it's been interesting that all three of my markets are very different as to what new things people will buy at what places. And it's, that's been interesting. A little bit different demographic everywhere. Yeah. Well, obviously you're known for your cinnamon rolls. So did that, has that recipe been passed down from Gail Powell? Is it her recipe? From what I understand? Yes. It's, it's hard to know for sure if I actually have the original (laughs) recipe. Um, I, 
I can tend to be a little bit of a control freak about my quality. And so, you know, obviously there's going to be ups and downs and, and, you know, things are going to not work out one day or whatever, but we try, we strive to have really good, consistent quality and whatever recipe I was given, I did monkey with it. I came up with a brand new recipe for frosting. So our frosting is 100%, 100% me. Uh-huh. I'm really proud of that. It's really good. Um, I did mess. I did mess with every single recipe. Yes, because <laughs> I had so to put my stamp on it. It's not the original. It's it yeah. is the new and improved. Right. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. Well, you're also known for your dinner rolls. Yes. Yeah. So this has probably been a really busy time for you, especially because nobody. I would not want to make rolls for my dinners this holiday season. Yes. So I come to you, and I think that that's Good. probably you have. You have quite a following, right? Yeah, boy, Thanksgiving, I think, what did, I think I added it up. Between our two stores, I think we made about 1,100 dozen dinner rolls this wow. Thanksgiving. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's actually really fun. The, the day before Thanksgiving and, the, and Christmas Eve are two huge big days of the year all hands on deck. We get all the bakers in there and I try to just, everybody gets a four to six hour shift and then you go home and your roll is over so that we're not having, you know, 18 people working 12 hours or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's really fun. We bring in snacks and we turn up the music and we all have plenty of caffeine and we just (laughs) start at eight o'clock at night and we bake all night and get it done. And and it's a really good time, but it requires everybody's help. Well, that's the tradition in the Romerel house is to go make rolls for the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's that's what we do for holidays. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, what's the future for Mrs. Pals? I, at the, at the moment, I was actually talking to my husband about this yesterday and, you know, what would we do to expand further if we wanted to do that? And, and so I've got a few ideas. Um, one of the things that I am really proud of is our gluten-free line. So we do make gluten-free cinnamon rolls. My dad actually has celiac disease. And so I've learned how to be careful and to, to minimize. I, I always have to put in an asterisk. It's a shared kitchen. So yeah. I can't guarantee that there's absolutely no cross-contamination. So if you're super sensitive, it might not be for you, but we, we strive. I always use my dad as a guinea pig and yeah. I've never made him sick. Good. So, you know, we were very careful about rewashing everything that we use for gluten-free and rewashing down every, all of the surfaces and, and keeping that contamination to a bare minimum. And so we do cinnamon rolls, we do cookies, we do um, bread on by special order, dinner rolls by special order. Um, we have like, a, we're starting a treat of the month for this year. We're going to have a gluten-free, gluten-free treat of the month. Um, so I think we're doing oatmeal What do you use? Do you month. use like a rice flour? What are you using? It's uh, I actually, the one we use is called, it's the Bob's Red Mill one-to-one okay, great. Um, flour mix. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten good results from that. Um, we really like that. And uh, yeah, so I think, you know, possible expansion might be, I would love to have a little 100% gluten-free kitchen and just have a little gluten-free shop where we can have soup, sandwich, anything, all of the treats that we currently have in a gluten-free version. And in, if you are, you know, have a gluten intolerance, you can come in there and, and, just feel confident. and have confidence mm-hmm. that it, it will be good for you. Are you doing anything mobile? What is your um, catering like now? So we will do, we have a lot of people that will order cinnamon rolls for weddings. Um, 
I actually just got a, a request the other day for a, a price on like box lunches. So we can do things like that. Um, and we don't really have the ability to do like a full service, like, you know, a prime rib or, you know, yeah, that right. kind of a dinner mm -hmm. thing. But, but anything, you know, where we can do from a lunch, we do homemade soups every day. We make them from scratch with flour and butter and cream and it's, our soups are amazing. But um, yeah, so we can do cookies, cinnamon rolls, that that's kind of the, the realm that we can do catering in. Yeah, that's great. Um, Amy, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners while I've got you? I've said it maybe three times, but you can do this. If you want to go into business and you have a passion that you want to pursue, you can do this. It, it doesn't take an advanced degree. Well, thank you for being the inspiration for that because clearly you have made this work and on the heels of something that really could have derailed you. So thank you for your tenacity and for that example of figuring it out and keeping Mrs. Powell's alive for us. So thank you. Thanks. It's been fun. Keep up your delicious work. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Renee. Hey, as a reminder, guys, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you're looking for automotive repair and maintenance provided with honesty and integrity, please come and see us and let our family take care of your family. All right, stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. They have a sister event called RiseX held every month. Please check them out. Go to www.risecon.io or risex.io. As I was interviewing Amy, I was thinking about all the challenges that they had to go through in order to have a successful business now, you know, expanding to now they're in three locations and things are starting to work for them now. But in the beginning, man, you heard the story. It was quite a challenge. And to have to deal with the partnership that was so toxic and, and terrible, um, she didn't get into it too deeply. But what I came to know is that, you know, this cost them tens of thousands of dollars. These individuals were using the business funds for their personal expenses. And um, there, you know, there was just a lot that happened with that. And so what a challenge to have to go through. And it's painful to listen to. But it reminded me of something that I had been taught. And I thought I will would recycle it for you guys. As you know, I'm a Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi kind of a follower. I've talked about them before. Um, but what one of the things that Dean talks about is a success tax and the success tax that some of us have to pay. Well, when you think about a, and, and success tax, it's not some kind of um, internal revenue tax. It's not a, you know, a government or a, a, an accounting kind of a thing. It is the tax we pay in order to get to be successful. And what it is, it's the challenges that we get to face in order to get there. And some of us pay a three-month success tax like Amy did. Some of us pay three-year success taxes as we struggle for our business to take hold and make any money or might be 10 years or perhaps even 30 years. I think about my father and his 
multiple businesses. If you don't know the story about my dad, he was a serial entrepreneur. Um, my mom didn't call him that. My mom called him a dreamer. And, you know, he took us on a lot of different journeys uh, based on multiple businesses, over 20 in his lifetime, um, that, you know, he, he paid quite a success tax over years and years and years. Um, and so what what is the success tax that we have had to pay? Um, or maybe we're it still in the process of paying it in order to um, come out on the other end, um, get that stimulus check, have that refund, whatever you want to say in order to have some success. But we all have some success tax that we have to pay. And had we not paid that, had we not been through those circumstances, would we be successful? Um, I wonder about that. I am reminded also of a story. This is a little bit different, but um, Tony does a, a thing called Date with Destiny. It's a very immersive experience for like a week. And he was coaching an individual at one of his Date with Destinies. And uh, she had had quite some childhood trauma with her father and his parenting and um, was kind of struggling to forgive him. And she was telling the stories um, about how they couldn't count on him, how he was abusive, how um, he was a poor provider, you know, going on about things in her childhood. And Tony was listening and he was like, wow, you know, how did that affect you as a parent? And she went on to say, you know, I I, I learned I'm not going to be like that. And and I, I'm never going to treat my children like that. And, and so what do you do, you know, when when your kid comes to you and, and you're upset, you know, well, I calm down and I take a breath and I listen to him and I, you know, I just love him. And anyway, he went on and he said, well, what about your business? And you could tell that this woman was a very independent and, um, put together person and had this business. And she went on to talk about, yeah, I, I provide for my family and I, and these are the safeguards that I have in place so that that will always be. And I put them first and, and there were several different examples about how she was different than her father. And, you know, t Tony took a long pause and looked at her and he said, I want you to go home tonight and tell your father, thank you. And of course, it took the whole crowd back because they just listened to this story about this man who was not painted in the most positive light. But the point that Tony was making was, you are only as successful as you are because you learned how you learned this other way from your father, right? And had you not been raised like that, maybe you wouldn't be the person that you are today. Like you, it wouldn't have given you the tenacity and the drive and the reason to be different. Um, and I know that's a little bit different than talking about what we're doing in our business uh, she was on that journey to forgive her father and to be able to actually thank him for the man he was. That was a big deal. Um, but what I love about that story is the perspective that it gives to us about the success tax, about our challenges. Um, would we be the people that we are today? It's, it's not likely had we not had to go through some of the challenges. Would our businesses be what they are today? So I just wanted to give you that perspective as you're going about your week. Think about that and and the crap that you're having to deal with. You know, what is this success tax actually going to yield in profits in the end? 
um, it might be pretty big because you're not going to make the same mistakes or whatever the case may be. You're going to learn and hopefully be positioned for something even greater in the future. So hang in there, guys. We're all in this together. We're all paying our own success tax in one way or the other. And I just really am cheering for you and your businesses and your life that um, you can just have all the things that you want, um, change your perspective just a little bit, and maybe be a tiny bit grateful for some of those challenges that are teaching us to be a little bit better. Okay, have a fantastic week. I've got a great episode coming up for you next week, so I hope to see you back. Take care. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.